0: Dr. Elias Stromberg is with us live via telephone. He's author of the book, Chosen Fathers, Life Lessons Learned from Fathers of Children with Disabilities. Dr. Elias Stromberg is the father of an adult son with disabilities. As a teacher and school principal, he has educated typical and disabled children. And has counseled parents how to raise children to achieve their full potential. He shows fathers and mothers how to reframe their perceptions so that disappointments become opportunities for success and joy. Information about Dr. Stromberg's work, uh, you can go to the following website, fathersconnect.com. Again, that's fathersconnect.com. Dr. Elias Stromberg, welcome to JM in the AM. Well, thank you. I'm uh, pleased to be here appreciate that. Nice to speak with you. Why would you write the book?
1: Why did I write the book? Well, because the experience of uh, my personal experience, uh, when I discovered that I had a child with disabilities, was, uh, was devastating to me. I mean, uh, in my professional life as, a, as an educator, a school principal uh, with a master's degree in special education, and uh, experience teaching in special ed and then a Ph.D. in education um, I, I've been involved with other parents helping them solve issues of their children for, I mean that was, that's been my professional life and then suddenly when I had a child with disabilities I wasn't prepared. I, I mean it was like all that preparation just disappeared and it was uh, it was a shock, it was just a true shock. So. The, the work that, uh, that I had to do to accept that I was now uh, not the father I expected to be not, uh, and couldn't be the kind of parent that I had expected to be. Um, it took years, but eventually when I really grasped what that was all about and, and with my wife's help, we were able to really be very successful as parents. So then I became, like, very concerned that other parents also had that, uh, could also learn that they, too, could have a very joyful experience being a parent of a child with special needs. How
0: long ago was, and, your, how long ago was your son born?
1: Uh, he's 30 just this year.
0: Um, this book, and uh, it actually says this on the back, is you speaking with, or actually it's in the form, I guess we would say, of interviews, uh, conversations, 13 different fathers speaking honestly about accepting the reality of having a disabled child, a situation you never expected and certainly never wanted. From these fathers and from your professional experience as an educator, you identify four life lessons which every father can use to raise his child to its full potential. So they, so it's clear that this book Uh, I would assume, can be a tremendous guide for a father who finds himself in a similar situation to you. Who did you have 30 years ago to turn to who was also a father in a situation similar to yours so that you could change your... that that would help you change your outlook on being a father of a disabled child?
1: That's a great question, Malcolm. Uh, The truth is that when my son was born, uh, My 2nd he's my second son, um, when he was born I, I didn't have anybody to turn to. And that's in great part why it was so difficult, but uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu blessed me with an experience when my son was three months old with um, where I met Professor Ruvain Forstein of Sihon uh, Olovracha, who um, at the time was the head of an, an internationally acclaimed institute for uh, children with uh, developmental dislay, uh, dis, dis, <laughs> delay pardon me developmental delay and um, I was encouraged to go to Professor Forerstein. Uh at that point at three months, I was in a deep depression uh, over the experience, but someone said go and, and let Professor Forrestein look at your son so to make a A long story short, um, I walked into the professor's office holding my three-month-old son, uh, and I put out my hand to shake the professor's hand in greeting. He ignored my hand, and he grabbed my son Ariel out of my arms and looked deeply into Ariel's eyes and began poking him all over his body. And after about probably three or four minutes, of silence, of just Professor poking little Ariel, he looked up at me and he said, you got a good one. And that was actually the very first positive thing any professional had said to me in three months.
0: What did he mean by good one?
1: Well, it took me time to to, uh, discover what it was exactly he meant, but what what he was implying by that was that Ariel was just exactly as as perfect as he was meant to be. Hmm. Because what I understood, the professor then went on. He he after telling me that I had a good one, he said to me, "You know, I'm the grandfather of a of a, of a boy with Down syndrome." And then he said to me, "Do you know how he came to me?" And I said, no, I I didn't know. (laughs) He said his neshama, his soul, was flying around in heaven, looking down, saying, where am I going to land? Where am I going to go? And he looked down, that neshama looked down, and it saw me, and it said, ah, Feuerstein, that's where I'm going.
0: I I understand the attitude, but still, even with that story and that encounter, I I would assume you still felt that you might be incapable of being a good father to this type of child.
1: Well, but what I understood from, from the professor was that what he was telling me is that I was chosen. Right. That I was chosen to be the father of this child with Down syndrome. And, and that meant, if, if a college was sending me this child, that meant that I was capable. Right. That I had everything within me to, I might not know everything, but I'm certainly capable of learning it, but that I was exactly the right father for this child. So that whole experience turned me around, so and when, it was from that point mm-hmm. that I began to accept uh, my son, my situation, and myself. So when, and,
0: So when we uh, praise parents of children in difficult, let's just call it that, I don't even know what the right terms are, in difficult situations, uh, there's a reality to that. It's not just to give you a boost or to give the mothers and fathers a boost. It, there is a reality that they are meeting a really difficult challenge and, pro- and proving that they can do it well. If their child is growing up and advancing and you know meeting their capabilities, so to speak, then, then those parents are doing... I guess we'd say a fabulous job I, I would agree yeah that's true um, but w- yeah w-
1: what that requires though the, the core issue for that however is acceptance right and if a parent uh, until a parent comes to the point right. that he or she fully accepts that this this is now the reality it's not what I expected And all my dreams and all my aspirations may not come about anymore. Right. And it's not what I wanted. No parent wants to have a child with with, uh, disabilities, particularly fathers, especially fathers. We so identify with the success of our children. Right. Uh,
0: Well, not just that. We're we're also not mothers, (laughs) you know.
1: That's right. We don't have that
0: biological right. connection. M- Mothers have a natural instinct that we don't have. Uh, uh, Dr. Elias Strombergs with us Chosen Fathers is the book Life Lessons Learned from Fathers of Children with Disabilities. I didn't mean to interrupt you but give I got to go back for a second. Give me a number. Uh, accepting the challenge. The way you described it, you know, coming to terms with it, but it sounds like even deeper than that. Is what percentage of the battle would you say? Once you're in that mindset, you're 95 percent there, or it's not that high, or it's even higher.
1: I know, I think that I, my my belief and what I encourage others, other parents, to accept is that it it's, it's at least 95 percent, wow. if not more. That because once one accepts that this is this is the best that uh, this is what's right, that right. Is not that. This is what's right for me, and my child is the best that my child can be. I mean, uh, the Hashem made every one of us perfect, right. no matter what kind of abilities or disabilities. That's exactly what
0: we're supposed to be. I, 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 I assume when you decided who to interview for this book, you had to be very choosy when it came to which fathers you would include, because you, you obviously wanted people who were of the same mindset I would guess, right?
1: Well, uh there were some fathers who uh, uh well when you say mindset, you referring to like feeling about being chosen? Correct. Is that what you're, um well as it turns out, yes, all the all the fathers I interviewed are Shomer Shabbos fathers and so they have some connection to a Boraku. Um but um Th- th- not Not everybody was at a point of acceptance right. there, there were fathers I interviewed who realized that they were very, very far from accepting things and didn't they couldn 't face it and the interviews didn 't continue or they discovered things about themselves that they hadn 't really shared with anybody, including their wives, and weren 't ready to uh, revealed publicly. By,
0: uh, and we should mention, by the way, that some of the fathers you speak to in the book are fathers of of multiple children with with difficulties.
1: Right. Yeah, there's one father uh, right. who three of, three of his, I think, now they have I think seven, but three of his children have uh, are severely disabled uh, auditorily uh, along with autism and, I mean, how this man continues the, the faith he has and, uh, and the level of acceptance that he and his wife and I just want to emphasize it's not just it can't just be one person alone yeah you talk it's about
0: to, you talk about building a team right
1: right I was gonna that's, that's, that's right without a team effort right. without each one each parent or parent and partner not necessarily the biological parent without each one of them feeling supported and backed up, uh, it's, I don't know how a single parent right. who doesn't have another support, how they do it. right
0: there are some. <laughs> but a guy like me doesn't know how a single parent does it in a regular situation, frankly, <laughs> but the, certainly the, <laughs> one right. the one you're describing. How is Ariel today?
1: Oh, thank God. Ariel is amazing. Uh, he... Uh, he lives in a community uh, uh, that the, the entire community here, in, it's uh, south of Jerusalem, the entire uh, community um, is centered around the school that he's been in since he's eight years old. Wow. He's now 30. Wow. And uh, it's a condition to live in the community that a family agree to, in one way or another, um, be part of the school. And so, like Ariel has a mishpacha, he has a family that right. he goes to uh, for dinner once a week, and then on Shabbos for a meal. Uh, he works in the community, he's a baker, he, the, uh, they have a bakery there, and um, he's been blessed with you know, so many kids with Down syndrome in particular are hypotonic, meaning that they're their uh, physical stature is very, very loose, very flaccid. Ariel is just the opposite. Ariel has four gold medals in uh, bicycling in the Israel Special Olympics. Wow. Yeah, and he's a soccer player and he, he he scores double digits on their basketball team that the school has intramural. He's got a horseback rides, which is something they do there at the school, they have therapeutic horseback riding, and in, in the Special Olympics they have horseback riding, and he's got medals from that. He, this is a, a blessing that he's been given because it's allowed him to socialize with kids his own age and older. When he comes home to visit us, uh, he goes to the to the local playground, the Migrash, although not now during the corona, but uh, he used to. Go there, and he was always uh, chosen uh, as goalie for pickup soccer games.
0: Well, if we're, if, well if we're going to heed your words about building a team, we've got to recognize the schools and the communities like you're describing that are part of that whole team.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a team effort, um, and uh, the, the, he, we've been blessed with the school that he's in because. They, uh, from the very beginning, Ariel was actually one of the first four students in the school. And from the very beginning, the school had the, uh, belief that every child had to learn to be a giver. That children with, particularly children with special needs, are constantly taking, they're constantly receiving, they're constantly being given to. But the, the, Direction, the director of the school, Noah Mandelbaum, had this understanding that everybody needs to learn how to give. So from the very beginning, uh, they had a. Uh, when the school started, they still have, but when the school started, they uh, Ario was a a, a Madrid a at the the Pinat High at the, They had a petting zoo, and he was in charge of the rabbits. And when other schools would bring their kids to the petting zoo out there in Guchetzeon, that they, uh, REO, would show other kids how to hold the rabbit, how to pet the rabbit, how to feed the rabbit, so that he was giving from the very beginning. Wow. And um, uh, it's just been amazing that he's a mensch. The the, the, (laughs) uh... we're. We we're very blessed. This is what Professor Forstein was talking about. It took us time, but we did get a good one.
0: Co- we got a real good one. The cover photo The cover photo is, I assume, from 20-plus years ago? Uh,
1: well, the cover photo is a stock photo, to be honest.
0: Oh, that's not... I can't ask <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not real, and that's not me. That's hilarious. Uh, Dr. Elias Stromberg, a right, couple other things I want to tie up um, in-, in terms of what you've written about. Um, and I, I know it's hard for for those of us in in regular situations to relate to this. You, you talk about how the professionals generally um, speak directly to the mothers and sort of, I don't know if this is the right word, sort of ignore the fathers. It, it, it's honestly for for those of us who are fathers who are who feel we've been really involved in our children's upbringing, it's sort of hard to understand that. But but is that the reality?
1: Well, first of all, let me say, uh, Nakam that, that things have changed. Um, but one of the realities, though, is that mothers—I mean, mothers—are much more involved in raising children than are fathers. Right. Fathers are out working; they're right. away from home, and the mothers are interacting with the the,
0: the kids more, the right. doctors,
1: right. and the therapists, right. and the school. And because,
0: yeah, but but but, part, it, but it seems you're but it seems you're indicating that they that they meaning the school professionals the doctors would prefer not to have to include the fathers in the whole process. Am I reading that wrong?
1: I, I'm not. Well, I'm not. Uh, I'd be interested to hear exactly what you know where you 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 heard that. But I mean, from what I wrote, but the the um, I don't think that they're. That they uh, don't want to talk to fathers. I, I think that they are more comfortable talking to mothers mm. um, because they have more experience with it.
0: I, I just and, thought I just thought you were saying there's like an assumption among th- among them that the fathers do not want to be as involved as one might hope they would be. That's what I would. I say. think
1: that's correct. I also um, I think that, that they don't know how to talk to fathers. They don't understand that. And that, that a father's reaction to having a child with special needs is different than a, a mother's reaction, right. and that there's um, there's a need. Uh, fathers don't connect. We're we're not connectors by nature, right. as our as our uh, men are not connectors by nature as are women, and so it's a little harder for the professionals to. Um, Develop a relationship with the father. They don't understand that we are more interested in um, solving problems <laughs> and uh, and and taking care of business. And there's another side that I do. I, I must say, um, professionals also have agendas, right? And they often don't want. Uh, they're they're more comfortable imposing their a- agenda on mothers right. who are tending who tend not to fight back, right. if you will.
0: Understood, understood. All right, um, I'm not going to read through them in order because I want people to buy the book and, and go through the life lessons themselves, but I do want to mention a couple of things about them. One is you're, you're, you're strongly suggesting, and boy, oh, boy, I think this can apply to any family, keep your expectations in check. Uh, You know, life is all about expectations. And if you lower your expectations, I'm saying that not in a negative way, because obviously I'm not talking about really lowering them to a, you know, to the ground floor. But if you, but if you, if you reasonably manage your expectations, life, especially in a situation like yours will go smoother, right? Absolutely. And the, and the other thing is we always talk about, I mean, you, and you allude to this, maybe you don't, you don't put it this way, but people could read and see how you do put it. Happiness is a choice. And when you're a parent in this situation, you you can relate to the fact that there will be people who will be depressed. I'm not using the word clinically, but you get my point. Uh, there are people who, who, who can choose to be depressed, and there are other people who can choose to look at this as a real opportunity and, and a growth opportunity not just for the child, but for the parents as well. And I guess that that happiness quotient, that happiness factor is a really important one.
1: That's absolutely correct. Uh, th- this is why acceptance... Is so critical right. because without acceptance, there's resistance, and when that resistance is lowered, one can begin to uh, recognize the growth opportunities and make discoveries. I, I've, I've 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 spoken internationally. I spoke in front of a a um, a group of parents in England, and a mother said to me. She said you talk about joy, but I've got a teenage daughter in diapers who can barely talk, and I'll never hear her say "Mom, I love you." And what kind of joy is there in that? And I mean, you know, that, that's a heavy question. That's a hard thing to respond to. But what I said to her is that I bet you. I. Well, I didn't put it quite like so flippantly, but I said that. I said. You've had to give to your daughter without any expectation of return and it's a level of giving that is like the highest level of giving. It's giving Lishma, it's giving without any expectation of return. And I said, Did you ever experience that before? And she stopped and she she said, no, I, I never did. And I said, well, that's like, that's an exceptional ability that you have that you probably didn't know, the, not probably, you didn't know you had until, that, until you were taking care of your daughter. So we, we, we begin to discover things about ourselves that we didn't know were there. And yeah. the, 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 the growth that we can do to become the people that we're supposed to be is greatly enhanced when we can let go of those expectations of, of like, what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be it yeah. and how everybody else is supposed to respond accordingly.
0: My, uh, uh, yeah.
1: So it's, a The the other thing is, is like, learning to uh, recognize... The, the mountains that our children are climbing. Uh, I, I, something I learned from my doctoral advisor was a concept. That he used to call it little steps for little feet. And the, the recognizing that every little step forward is giant because it's moving in the direction of growth and of acquiring uh, skills and whatever level one gets to that's the level they're going to get to right. but as long as we keep seeing those little steps in that forward direction that's that's an opportunity to feel joy that's an opportunity to feel success that's an opportunity to recognize that the child is working and growing, and that you as a parent are doing the right thing and yeah. and Everybody, the team is, and, and it, it's
0: all working. So. And, and it certainly gives parents an opportunity to look at it uh, as as a worthwhile investment because of all the time and effort you put in, and then you get to see those accomplishments. And like you just described, if people would understand how significant those accomplishments are, it makes it even easier to appreciate the investment that went into it. Uh, Dr. Elias Stromberg's book is called Chosen Fathers. We're highly recommending it. It's life lessons learned from fathers of children with disabilities. It is for uh, every type of father out there, no matter who your children are, and what their capabilities are. Again, it's Chosen Fathers, Dr. Elias Stromberg, S-T-R-O-M-B-E-R-G. Dr. Stromberg, how do people obtain this book?
1: Well, it's available on Amazon. That's the the, uh, easiest way to get a hold of it.
0: All right. It's called Chosen Fathers, Life Lessons Learned from Fathers of Children with Disabilities. Please send our best regards to Ariel, and thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you very much, Nachem, and Hatschaka to you, and Chodesh Tov. A good month.
0: Chodesh Tov, yes, let's make it a good month. Let's make it the first of many, many, many good months ahead, please, God. Uh, And I thank you for joining us. Wednesday morning broadcast, you're listening to JM in the AM.